welcome everyone to the week ahead podcast. Um, hopefully you all enjoyed no new roads week. Um, I had a good time and it was really cool to see all this different content coming from different States. Um, as well as some cool tools that we were able to share. I don't know, Chuck, what did you think of no new roads week? Our first campaign week kind of in 2016. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, I, I, I get the behind the scenes look. So I, you know, I saw all the time and effort that you put in organizing everything and, and how it all came together. So it was, it was very exciting. You know, I, I, I love having all these voices talking about similar issues from very different perspectives and very different locations. It's just real invigorating to me, the, the expansion of this conversation you know, as, as the guy who was like one lonely voice six years ago, uh, or eight years ago, I, I can't tell you the feeling that that gives me when I, I see all these people talking about this stuff in ways that I just yearned for, you know, a decade ago. So yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I didn't really know what was going to come out, like what kind of content was going to come from all the people that we asked to write for each state. And it was interesting to see that, Yes, they have different issues that they're dealing with and different problems, different populations. But at the same time, the issue of road spending is like unanimous all over the country, a problem. So it was good to show that. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's the case. Um, so last week you were also traveling all over the country. What what did those events look like? You were in what, Florida, Minnesota? Yeah, I, I ended the week in Florida. I actually started the week in Oklahoma. Oh, and Oklahoma. that was that was really fun. I, I went and on Monday night last week we recorded a live podcast. Uh oh yeah. Is that isn't every podcast live? Why do I say it? I mean every podcast clearly is not live. I don't know why I keep saying that, but it was like a one run. Well, you recorded through. with an audience. I recorded with an audience. That's what I did. So yeah. it was going to be actually with the mayor. And the mayor got snowed in, in, <laughs> in the big, huge what? snowfall out East. Yeah. So he couldn't make it back home in time. And we had two uh, sub-ins who were really fantastic. One with a downtown group and one with the university. And, you know, we, we talked about Oklahoma. We talked about Oklahoma city issues and, and things going on there. And we did it in front of an audience. So there was, a, you know, feedback and reaction and crowd noise. And then, you know, they ask questions too. So that was a lot of fun. The next day I gave a speech at a organization that was largely developers. And it's always fascinating. I, I had three really interesting crowds last week. The one first one was this group of developers. And, you know, you, you, you can tell when you reach an audience and you can tell when things go by them. I, I found out afterwards that these were largely urban kind of developers. And, and one of the things that I had questioned was the way the city of Oklahoma goes, Oklahoma city goes about doing these really massive borrowing packages and, and spending packages and building huge things like stadiums and convention centers and major, you know, transportation projects. And I pointed out that, you know, this worked for a while for you guys, but now you've, you've done that. I mean, you can't build another convention center. You're not going to have another NBA basketball team. You actually have to, come up with uh, other things. And, and I suspect those are going to be smaller and, you know, more kind of nuanced and fine grained. And that's a completely different challenge for you. And so 
there were people that came up to me afterwards and were just thanking me. Like this is the exact message we needed to hear, but I could tell that this is not part of their dialogue right now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we'll see, hopefully it will become so. Uh, will we get to hear that podcast that you recorded, uh, sometime yes. later this week or next week? Actually Thursday, we will run awesome. that podcast. So yeah. And, and I say that having not listened to the audio yet. <laughs> so, um, I hope oh, that good. the audio came through fine. It's, it seemed like it should. Uh, so we'll see. Cool. And then you were at an engineering conference in Minnesota, right? You would not believe this. So I, I went to the city engineers association in Minnesota. They invited me to come and, and give a session. And, and I thought it was going to be like a breakout session for some reason. I, I don't know. I just had that in the back of my mind. Oh no, it was on the big stage. Um, there's 350 people there, all wow. essentially engineers. Yeah, it was a it was a pretty big crowd. So the woman who spoke before me, she was in public relations, and she got up and basically said everything that I was always told as an engineer that I knew was completely wrong. And just <sighs> as a sidebar, my wife is a news reporter, so I, I don't like fear news reporters. I kind of get what they do, and I understand how to work with them. Uh, my office had a standing rule. You never talk to the media, never zero, mm -hmm. just don't talk to them. And this woman came in <coughs> and she let every, she basically confirmed that for everyone. Like you should not have a Twitter account. If you have a Facebook account, uh, you should never reply to anyone who makes a comment on your Facebook account. What? And she, Oh, it was ridiculous. And she actually went as far as to say, um, I'll, I'll paraphrase. She, she didn't say it this way, but she said, you know, people talk about social media, but it's just kind of a fad. Uh, you know, the mm -hmm. action is still on like regular media. So, you know, you have a far better reach in the newspaper or on TV than the social media stuff. Nobody pays attention to that. Yeah. So people said about radio and TV when they Oh started, my gosh. So. She was so, she was so bad. So, um, the worst though, and I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I, I haven't told you the worst part of her presentation yet. Okay. She, she actually gave this case study about these people who had gone out and petitioned the city for a crosswalk and the city had decided that they weren't going to put it in. And so the residents went in and they put it in themselves and mm -hmm. you, you should have heard the audience. This is an audience of all, almost all in city engineers, right? Mm -hmm. Like the, the outrage, like the boos and hisses, like, Oh, you know, how could they ever do that? So, oh my gosh. These people invited you to speak, Chuck? Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm sitting there in the audience going, I am next. <laughs> so so um, then she said the crew went out to remove this crosswalk and of course, yeah. a bunch of those pesky neighbors showed up and they had with them a news reporter. Oh. And so the city staff like panicked, called her, the PR person, said, you know, what do we do? And she said, uh, here's what you do. You don't say anything to anybody. You just pack up your tools and walk out. And I, the only thing I want you to say is have a nice day. That's it. And, and so, you know, she got this applause from like the audience, like, yep, you know, that's exactly what we do. You're right. And, and then she goes, and then when they got back, I told them just go out in the middle of the night and get rid of it. There won't be any reporters there then. And so that's what they did. And like the whole place is like applauding, like, yes, that's exactly what, what you do. I know oh I'm not, goodness. yeah, I can't make this up. Like this, this was so ridiculous. 
Yeah. That's horrible. Wow. So then you got up. So then I get up, right? (laughs) Yeah. And they wanted me to do the curbside chat, which I'm, I said, that would be awesome. This is a perfect audience. They need to hear this. Mm-hmm. And so I got up and I know I started my presentation by saying, you know, and now for something completely different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I went through and for those that haven't heard the curbside chat, like what's going on, but basically the chat starts with this whole conversation about this experiment. Like, here's the way we did things for thousands of years. Now we do them this way. And I could see the audience be like being kind of annoyed like, okay, why is he, you know, what, what's this? Of course, we build cities around people who drive now today. That's the way we do things. Is this some like hippie, liberal, you know, <laughs> do-gooder? What's going on? So then I got into the economics of it. I started showing him case studies. And that's when I got their attention, like the data, right? Like, here's a development. Here's when it was built. Here's how much the city paid. Here's how much they've recouped in the life cycle of that infrastructure. And, you know, it's always like 20%, 30% of what you need. So I go through and I show them this. And then I show them the charts. Like, here's, you know, here's what goes on. And when you're, you know, you guys go out and get a grant or you go out and get a, a transportation project or you get a developer to build something, you all feel very rich. And then you get to the end and you got to fix it. You don't have enough money. And you're like, why is that? Uh, well, we need more growth. And I showed them how basically that is bankrupting their cities. At that mm-hmm. point, I, I had this audience, right? Like they were, they got it at that point. And it was fascinating because during the curbside chat, there's some lighter moments where I have, you know, jokes that I make or, or you know, lighthearted stuff to kind of keep the thing moving. There was like laughter from a few people but I almost felt like those people were laughing along with me at the engineers who were not laughing because <laughs> there was mostly like silence, right? Like, oh my gosh. So by the time I got done and I, I went through and I, you know, showed the Taco John's and the fleet farm. And then I showed the big uh, macro stuff that Joe Minicosi's done. And I showed him Lafayette. And then I get to the end and we go through Memphis where we show them the, the big top-down project of the pyramid and then contrast that with the people going out and painting their own crosswalks. Oh. Oh, yeah. No, and, and, and so, you know, then you know, I show $12 million of property value appreciation, 30-some new jobs, you know, all this stuff with a total public investment of zero. These are the types of projects we need to do. We need to go out and make these small incremental investments. You won't get that from a capital improvements plan. You actually have to go out and like observe where people struggle. It was, I was looking on the crowd and it was like the truest deer in the headlights moment I've ever seen. Yeah. It, it was, it was crazy. And yeah, you know, I, to their credit, I had a whole lot of people come up to me afterwards and have emailed me in subsequent days and said, that was amazing. Like we really needed to hear that. Oh yeah. No, I, I tell you what engineers like collectively do a lot of really stupid things, but they're not stupid people. And they're also not bad people. You know, they, they have a certain worldview and they live in an echo chamber that's like self-reinforcing. But when you get them outside of that and you actually get them thinking, these guys are part of the answer. And I say, guys, mm-hmm. there's a lot of women there too. It's, it's great to see how many women are going into the engineering profession. But this is largely a bunch of, you know, guys a decade or more older than me oh, okay. sitting in a room. And we hit them hard with the core Strong Towns message. And I, I don't know. I felt like it, uh, I felt like it uh, hit, the, hit the bullseye. 
Yeah. Did you have a good Q&A session afterwards or was there not time for that? There was no time. I had I had uh, one hour. Okay. I had no time for Q&A. But I'll tell you, I had to go to the All airport. Right, I would right have liked to anyway. hear those. Well, yeah. okay. The panel after me, and I got to watch like the first 20 minutes of them, was just solid infrastructure cult kind of people. So, oh. yeah. So it was, uh, you know, one person who was talking about the, the state's program uh, to, it's called uh, transportation as economic development. So basically like throwing money at whoever gets through their grant process, no ROI, nothing like that. It's just mm -hmm. crazy stuff. Um, then you had someone talking about their corridors, of commerce program, which Nate Hood has written about on the blog a couple of times about how oh, okay. this is basically like, how can we build more strip stuff along the highway and put oh. like a special fund together to do it? Oh yeah. And then you had someone from the university of Minnesota talking about like the just equ junky equations that we use to try to justify this stuff. And so I left and I, I had to go to the airport and I had a couple of friends in the audience. And as I'm at the airport, like going through security and everything, these guys are texting me saying, <laughs> you should see the Q and a, these guys are getting hammered. And oh, supposedly okay. what happened? Yeah. Supposedly what happened? I, I mean, I wasn't there, but they're telling me this, the account they told me was that uh, during the Q and a people start saying, you know, did you see the presentation before you? Mm -hmm. Like, how would you respond to that? Cause everything you're telling us here seems to go contrary to that. And that was pretty compelling. And I guess the consensus was yet. Yeah. That we got to go back and like rethink these things. So wow, I took good. away from it all positives despite the kind of crazy route to get there. So how did this event come about? Like, was somebody just like trying to shake things up by inviting yeah. you or do you yeah. have like a, a friend who knew you who was like, let's bring Chuck <laughs> No, a, a couple of guys that uh, were, were on the committee to choose the speakers had heard me speak somewhere and said, oh, okay. we've got to get you here for this. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they called me, it was like last August or September before you even started. And I, I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. No problem. Let's, uh, let's set it up. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. So it was, it was quite an opportunity and they, they did. I mean, they really wanted to shake things up. And I talked to, uh, one of the organizers, one of the one of the one person that invited me and he said that was a home run. That was exactly what we were trying to do. So Excellent. yeah, I'm, you know, there's a, this is fun to do. I, I love going around the country and sharing this message. And it's really great to, to, to see people when they get it because it's, it's liberating for them. And it's, you know, it, it, it validates a lot of things that people often believe intuitively, but, but can't really put words to, but there's something really special about having that happen here in my home state amongst my peers, mm -hmm. uh, because, you know, these are people that in, in, in times past have said, ah, come on, Chuck, you're kind of crazy. <laughs> mm -hmm. So it, it was, it was a, it was a really cool feeling to get on the plane and know that we had made it, you know, we had made a little bit of difference there. Yeah. So then you went to Florida yeah. on Friday. How did that go? What was that event? Uh, in Deerfield beach, which is North of Miami, it was an event put on by their MPO, their metropolitan planning organization, uh, to uh, basically about transportation. I, I want to say they called it like a complete oh, street yeah. summit, safe streets, I think safe, safe street streets. Summit, yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. 
And so there was a lot of people talking about complete streets policies and, um, you know, different, different, different ways to make streets safer for people. I, I did our transportation in the next American city talk. And again, I, I felt like it went over really, really well. They had me there for a long time afterwards doing interviews and, and other things that were, you know, equally enthusiastic. And then I got to sit on a panel and do some Q and A and, and I thought that was, was went really well too. So it was, it was fun. And being from Minnesota, you know, anytime you can go to Florida in January, you just say yes. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. all of our listeners out there, if you, if you ever want to get strong towns, if you're in Florida and you're like, we, we really love, you know, Chuck to come speak down here, just call and, and make, you know, make a, a pitch for, for January or February. And I'm, I'm there. It, I mean, it was 72 yeah. degrees. It was so nice. Wow. Didn't we, uh, didn't we get an invite to go to Alaska during this month also? <laughs> Whatever happened to that? That just kind of fell by the wayside, I guess. Um, yeah, Alaska actually we had August. an invitation to go to Alaska in February and they, they just logistically couldn't work it out. Um, okay. hopefully that one will come back because I would, I've never been, I would love to go to Alaska. Yeah. Um, it seems really beautiful. Well, and I would go in February. Like I've, I've got no qualms. I mean, I'm from Minnesota. I can, I can handle Alaska mm-hmm. in February, at least for a few days, you know, let's do it. Yeah. So after that busy week, you thankfully don't have any events this week, correct? Kind of. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going down to Minneapolis on Thursday, uh, to, to meet with an organization down there and essentially do a curbside chat with, with their staff. It's a oh, kind nice. of a, yeah, they, they wanted to know more about us and I thought it was a, it was a good opportunity. It's an organization that I kind of like. So I thought, let's, let's see if there's some ways for us to, to share messages. And then it, it coincidentally, I'm also giving a lecture at a university at Hamlin university down in, in Minneapolis that evening. So I kind of am able to combine both of those together, but that's, that's it for the week. Nothing out of state and nothing, nothing rigorous, uh, mm-hmm. that will, you know, take me away from, from home overnight. Good. Uh, I want to take a moment to welcome our newest members. Um, we have quite a few this week. Um, Lois Asher from Newburyport, Massachusetts, Megan Doherty from Tallahassee, Florida. Oh, I bet that came out of your Florida event. Awesome. Um, we have Jill Doucette from Somerville, Massachusetts, Kyle Hibbs from Rapid City, South Dakota, Bonnie Mintern from Davis, California. That was another recent event. Awesome. Yep. Um, Darren Ottaway from Font Hill, Ontario, Bill Schutis from Washington, D.C., Jeff Weldner from Elkins Park, Pennsylvania. Awesome. Welcome everyone to Strong Towns. Thanks for being a member. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, Chuck, tell me about your post on Monday. Got that wonderful picture of Donald Trump. We are <laughs> starting to touch the political iceberg here in uh at Strong Towns. Yeah, it's a strange thing because, you know, I I, I don't I I knew when I put that photo on that it would be perceived by some as like clickbait because obviously, I mean, you, you do anything right now and say Trump and you know, the, the, the ratings go through the ceiling. I mean, he's like the hot thing right now. Right. But yeah, I had, I had read this really insightful piece from John Michael Greer last week. Uh, and it it just stuck with me all week. I, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And in fact, 
I stayed over an extra day in Florida and hung out and uh, I, I found wound up just walking around thinking about this piece over and over and over. And I finally sat down. Wait, wait a, there was a place where you could walk around in Florida. Where <laughs> were you, Chuck? I'm just um, kidding. I'm just well, kidding. <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll share some of my secrets with you. Uh, wait, were you in Disneyland? Air. Come on now, cut me some slack. Okay. I did yeah. go. I I did go to Disney Springs, which is the new uh, word for downtown Disney. It's like their entertainment district, and wow. they've got like the best movie theater in the country there. So I went and watched a, a couple movies. I actually watched Star Wars again, but in like the dining the theater. Tenth time. Yeah, no, the fourth <laughs> time. But it was uh it was their dining theater, which is such a such a hoot. I just love it. So anyway, I spent okay. a lot of time just walking around, right? And, um, I, I, I found myself just contemplating this piece over and over again, because it, it, it challenged some of the things that I realized were just base assumptions that I had, but it framed them in a, in a context that was kind of uncomfortable for me. And and the main one is that there's a certain, there's an advantage to everyone by having products sold, uh, more cheaply and, it's kind of a, a rationalization of globalization and, uh, you know, other policies that we've done to, to drive down prices. And now I, I've been, I've been critical of the Walmart model. Um, not necessarily because of Walmart. Walmart is just adapted to our model, but I've said, you know, if cities want to be strong places, they need to actually have development patterns that work for them. But I've kind of been like blind or silent to the the other side of the economics. My my argument is that the, you know the market will adapt to whatever system we set up. It's not like if you know if you can't drive a semi into a place, you're not going to have toilet paper and toothpaste. I mean, we'll, we'll figure this out. But it it never got to the point for me of questioning that side of the model. Now, a couple of years ago, Dan Carlin, a podcaster that I really like did a podcast about globalization and it, it kind of touched on similar themes. And I listened to that one like three times too, because it, it really kind of threw some wild curves at me that I, I hadn't considered, but this John Michael Greer piece um, really drove it home. And the core of it was he talked about the way four different classes of people or four different groups of people make a living. There's the investment class that makes a living off of dividends and, and investment yields. There's a salary class, which draws a salary, like a professional class of people who work for a salary. There's a wage class of people who work for an hourly wage. And then there is the, the class of people who are uh, on government assistance of some type. I think, he, I think he even called them the welfare class. And the argument that he made, and I think, I think he's right on, was that three of those classes, the investment class, the salary class, and the welfare class, have not seen their prospects change all that much or or have essentially held their ground as good or 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 sadly as that would be uh over the course of what we as as strong towns have called the suburban experiment but the wage class the ones who you know get up every day and go work for an hourly wage have basically seen their prospects just eviscerated over the course of the last 30 or 40 years, essentially the second life cycle and, and, and part of the third life cycle of this suburban experiment. 
that just, it, it, it rang so true to me in so many ways, not only because mm-hmm. it's patently obvious. I mean, I, I, I've experienced this here. You know, my family is full of, of wage earning people and growing up all my, all my uncles, you know, all my, all of my aunts stayed at home and raised kids and all my uncles went to work in factories or at the rail yard. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you try to do that today, you would just be creamed. I mean, there's, there's, there's so hard to support a family that way, yet they were able to do it back then. You, you, you bring that forward and you realize that, you know, people like me, uh, who, yes, take for granted falling prices and, you know, uh, cheap goods and cheap services, uh, do that on the backs of this wage earning class. And, this all tied into an explanation for, for Greer on what Donald Trump's appeal is. And I think the revelation for me is that, well, I'm, I haven't been drawn to Donald Trump. I mean, I, I don't, I haven't donated his campaign. I, I don't, you know, go to uh, go watch him. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. I'm not like, I'm not like, you know, a Donald Trump voter or whatever that would be, but I've, I've also been really, um, I, I was going to say sickened, but not sickened, more like, um, depressed or just turned off by the, the attacks, um, against him and particularly against his supporters. Uh, you know, they're feeble minded, they're ignorant, they're, they're stupid. They're, they're, they're small minded. They should just go back to watching the NFL and leave governing of the country to people who, you know, get it. I, th- these were like, really disconcerting for me, but I couldn't explain why. And once I read this Greer piece, it kind of made sense to me. It's like, that's, you know, that's the group of people that we all, in a sense, are benefiting from, are taking advantage of. And in a, in a universally kind of bipartisan way, uh, we're feel comfortable exploiting. There's really no place on the political uh, spectrum that really champions these people in, in a way that, you know, having come from that group, uh, any of them can relate to, I mean, both sides kind of pander to them to a degree, but nobody really addresses their core issues. And so I I don't, I, I found the, the Greer piece invigorating because it brought me back to my roots and explained, uh, you know, why I felt a certain degree of empathy for people who, felt empathy to Trump's message. Hmm. Yeah. Did you read much of the comment section? We had a, a lot of comments and good discussion going on here. I I did. And I've, I've kept up with them and I, I responded to a couple of them, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, Trump as a person is, is a, you know, a, a polarizing person as are, you know, a lot of candidates when they get to this level, Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I do appreciate the fact that it, it, you know, it seems like a lot of our readers grasp the notion that if we're going to have a nation of strong towns, it's going to be a nation that has to include people that work at, at wages, work hourly wages for a living, actually being part of that prosperity. And that may mean that we'll have to pay, as John Michael Creer says, a little bit more for our toys you know, we might have to pay more for our haircuts. We might have to pay more for our fast food burgers. 
Uh, we might have to pay more for some of these things and our economy might be less efficient, uh, which is, you know, a value that we as Americans hold yet at strong towns, we pointed out that it is a really bad value. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that our readers for the most part get that trade off or at least, you know, seem willing to, to, to have a conversation about it. And that's, I don't know. I, I think that reflects well on our movement and, and what we're trying to create here. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still processing all this. So I'm not going to comment too much, but everyone, if you're listening, you should go read that piece if you haven't had a chance to read it yet. It's really kind of blowing up today. You know, you, you get this uh, delayed effect sometimes when something gets posted and then it gets the first iteration of sharing and then the second iteration of sharing. And yeah, it's, it's, you know, I, it, it struck a nerve with people and I think it's resonating with people. So hopefully it will, someone said, you know, emailed me and said, thanks for trying to build that bridge. And I, I really wasn't trying to build a bridge as much as I was trying to express my embarrassment at not understanding this and then having this realization that is really kind of obvious once you say it. Uh, but you know, if people, if, if it is building a bridge, I think that's a healthy thing because like I said, we, we need all these people in our movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, this is not going to be the last of the politically oriented posts this year on strong towns, but you know, we are big fans of nonpartisanship. So as you can see with this pulse, you know, we're not taking sides or anything like that. Um, but you know, we got to talk about these things cause they are in the public eye a lot. Yeah. I, I this is going to be an interesting year. You know, the, the election season just distorts everything. I mean, the whole national dialogue kind of tends to get crazy and in a way that I've been uncomfortable with you know, the last few election cycles, I, I become more and more like tuned, uh, you know, just, just disturbed by it all. Yet I realize that it is important and it's important to the things we're talking about. So yeah, over the course of this year where we can find places to discuss like substantive strong towns, things without getting into the, the politics of it and, you know, we're certainly never going to endorse a candidate or, you know, suggest people vote for this person or that person. Mm. I, I'm firmly convinced that you can be in the American system. You can be a liberal or someone left of center and see strong towns as a really important thing. And you can be someone right of center and conservative and see strong towns as a very important thing. I mean, I, I'm firmly convinced that strong towns is, is, Strong as a way of thinking about things and a way of approaching problems, but you can, you can, you know, address those in a liberal way or a conservative way. I, 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 I have, you know, yet to find a person that I couldn't find common ground with, even though, you know, they're on very different parts of the political spectrum. So I, as long as we can continue to do that, I think we'll, uh, We'll engage and hopefully this make this election season a little bit more bearable for those who like to think about things and not just spout taglines and talking points. Absolutely. Okay, everyone. Well, thanks so much for listening and make sure to check out that podcast from Chuck's trip last week. Um, that'll be coming out on Thursday. Okay. Take care, everyone.